Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. Glad to have you all joining us today. And I want to introduce uh, a voice that you might remember if you were a fan of the Homegrown Show on two of the local AM radio stations here in Jefferson County. You might remember this co-host, the one, the only, Alan Waltz. How you doing, Alan? Well, I am so thrilled to be here, Jay, and I would say that even if I met it. <laughs> and he hasn't changed at all, people. He has not changed. And now I'm happier, Jay. Because <laughs> you are retired. Retired, yes. Yeah. How's it going? Uh, it's been the two greatest years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't gotten rid of you yet either. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to be said when you're retired if you're not gotten rid of you. Exactly, yet, so. yeah. And now you get to sit on the other side of the counter. This was, is too easy. Uh, well, you're making this way too you easy. Know, I'm willing to trade running no the way. board. Because <laughs> that was my my pleasure of sitting on the other side of the you know the counter here's the deal okay. my entire goal in life my only goal in life is to take it as easy as possible so, <laughs> well the less i do the more i like it well it's great to have you in the studio co-hosting the show i, I love the idea of your new program here, uh, jay good podcasting thanks. this is really 21st century stuff i know and it, look at all this high-tech equipment this is incredible i am shocked that to, to sit here and watch you push push the buttons in the sliders and i haven't screwed it up yet yeah how about that <laughs> that is time a will tell time will yeah. tell yes time will tell well hey we've got a couple great guests uh you've interviewed at least one i don't know if we had the second one on before but we did have john wagner on the yes. show from time to time john is the director of county relations and development for new york farm bureau and we have the one the only the president of jefferson county farm bureau mr devin shelmadine he is also a partner in sheelan dairy farms llc devin were you ever on the homegrown show in the past i think i was when i was in high school probably about <laughs> something ffa back uh 15 years ago now oh, wow wow, wow. Doesn't that make you just feel a little bit old? Yeah, we're, we're all we're all aging. Well, you I just didn't had a birthday me. too, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I just yeah. turned fifty six. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. So wow, I didn't even think about that, Devin. Man. So yeah, you were on way back when. You're making me feel a little old, Mister. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and John has been on several times in the past. We're glad to have you know. You are one of the well. Is this is the second episode where we have guests on so you're you're part of the founding group of interviews for the podcast so congratulations Shelmy. it is a you know a huge honor thank, uh, thank you guys for inviting us on to uh thank you guys for inviting us on to be guests today and if i can recall probably al had to retire because of a bad back carrying jay all those years on the show before <laughs> i tried to hide that but <laughs> I can't oh, argue with that. Man. Wow. 
Holy cow. And so, folks this that have... This is a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be, Jay. Yeah. So, so folks that have never listened to the Homegrown show in the past, this is what happens. Uh, you know, they gang up on me, John, you know, Al, and others. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the want. Hey, this is my show. And I'm pushing the button, so you can't even turn my mic off <laughs> True. now. He used to do that, by the way. Well, anyways, guys, uh, sorry for all the uh, side chatter there. Well, not sorry, but uh, bear with us. We're about to get into the... the the subject matter at hand. So anyways, uh, Devin and John, uh, great to have you guys on the show with us today. And we have a very important topic to talk about, and that is the proposed uh, change in the overtime threshold uh, for farm workers. This is something that started, well, it's, it's been on the, it's been a conversation for a long time here in New York State. But what was it, two years ago, John, that they actually imposed the first overtime threshold on ag farm workers? Well, yeah, just a little history. So back in um, 2019, the New York State Legislature passed the Farm Laborers Fair Labor Practices Act, um, signed into law by the governor in July of that year of 2019. And... So from there on, we've moved forward. Um, part of the bill was to create the wage board. Um, the Department of Labor gave the wage board an opportunity to come back and meet periodically to entertain the idea of lowering the threshold from the current 60 hours of work before overtime kicked in to some number below that. And so we've had wage board hearings over the last couple of years now. Um, and now we're presented with a wage board decision here at the end of January. With that first, with that first uh, implementation uh, of sixty hours, did we see an impact to agriculture from that? I would think I would. I might defer to Devin to ask how his farm operated under that um, threshold. But you know what we've seen, we haven't seen a very significant impact. I don't believe. I think a lot of our farmers have adjusted. Um, most entities really weren't working their employees that many hours over the sixty hours threshold. So. It wasn't a major adjustment to businesses. I would defer to Devin. So yeah, I would I would agree with John that you know by and large in most agricultural businesses the sixty wasn't a huge impact. You know there's there's lots of other costs involved with labor that have gone up as well. But uh, we on our farm we did pay some overtime. We do have some guys that. Uh, like to work 75 to 80 hours a week. And so some of those guys have been getting a significant amount of overtime here for the last year. We've worked through it. We've dealt with it and it's been okay. Um, but it's definitely going to be challenging as we move forward with ratcheting that number down potentially. Devin Shelmadine, if, if I might, my experience is, is that the workers on your farm want to work, uh, you know, those extra hours, the 60, 70 hours a week in the seasons where you really need them, uh, you know, planting and harvest season. Is, is that the case? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that they, that, you know, everybody, you know, when we get into these conversations, it's really hard because if somebody doesn't want to work something that you're asking them to work, they're just not going to show up. It's not like we force them. It's not like we drag them to work. There's no way for us to do that. Um, people, people are working in these jobs, the hours they are, because they choose to work them and they want to work them. So the expectation is, and I think I would just, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to chime in, Jeff. I, I, 
I think I would add, if you look at certain segments and sectors of the New York agricultural industry, our fruits and vegetables industry in New York, um, many of our farms there are employing H-2A visa workers. Um, and those people, those workers want to come to New York. They want to work as much as possible because the, the, the season is so short. The amount of time for them to make the money they'd like to make and take it back to their home countries and support their families. So again, that's one of the things we've been discussing as, a, as, a, as an organization is that those workers will potentially be hurt by this change. Uh, that was my next question is, you know, with, with the changes in the overtime threshold, are we potentially going to lose some of those workers? I think, I think John's already alluded to that a little bit, and I think he's absolutely right. I think there is definitely a potential we'll lose those workers. Um, I think that, that there, a lot of them are here to work, and that's what they want to do. And um, if they can't work, then they're going to go in New York State. They're going to go somewhere else where they can work. They're, you know, especially the H-2A workers, um, they're, that, that's why they came here, to work and make money. And, and they don't care about the social life and all of that other stuff that a lot of this, uh, legislation is is aimed to do with it they, they just they, they want to work and that's what they're here for al if you'll remember you know uh over the time we were doing the the homegrown show uh minimum wage increases were a big time right and uh what is the uh what is the minimum wage at right now for farm workers john uh well the new york state minimum wage for upstate new york which is most of the counties we'd be discussing i, I do believe just hit 1320 as of january 1 um that is correct. the h the, the h2a the h2a visa minimum wage i do believe it's up over 1465 if i'm correct that's set by the federal government um, but obviously Devin will tell you right now, the job market is very tight, um, for our farms to attract quality employees. Um, they're having to jump up above that minimum 1320. In many cases, you hear farmers talking about 15, 16, $17 an hour, uh, right now is starting wages on a lot of our farms. Yeah. John's absolutely right with that. There's, we, I don't think we have, we may have one or two part-time employees, um, that are at minimum wage, but most everybody on our farm is around the 15, 14, 15, and on up from there, uh, dollar an hour, uh, dollars per hour. Um, on our average, the employees that uh, do our milking on our dairy farm last year uh, were paid uh, on average over $53,000 each for the year. This is incredible. And, and, and I think one thing too, well, I was going to say one thing that I think everybody who's listening to the show um, may need to understand as well. What Devin's talking about probably doesn't include the fact that most of our farms provide housing, provide some other benefits in nature. Um, if you have H2A workers, you have to provide housing. That's a federal requirement. So those wages that Devin are talking about, you can add in some additional housing benefits, some other benefits, they're pretty attractive job positions. And, um, you know, when we look at moving to 40 hours, ratcheting down over the next 10 years, that could be a significant financial hit for some of those employees. Well, well what uh, blows me away is uh, how not only are these overtime regulations impacting our farmers, what about this unbelievable rate of inflation that's going on right now impacting our farmers as well as everyone? That's a double whammy. Well, I think, again, I, I mean, I would defer to Devin to have 
some discussion on this, but I would say you're already hearing about potential um, fertilizer prices for next spring, um, diesel fuel prices, input prices, supply prices for our farmers. Um, hit that with some of these potential uh, increases in payroll. Um, they're looking at some, some very tough financial decisions moving forward. And, and again, I would, you know, let Devin discuss you know, some particular responsibility for his operation. Yeah, I, I would agree with all those things. It is going to be double whammy. You know, everybody, right now it looks like we're looking at a decent uh, milk price this year, but I don't think it's going to offset our input costs that are potentially up. Oh, I don't know, on average, probably 20 to 30% on a lot of inputs. Uh, I know fertilizer prices, I've been working on some of those, and those are significantly up over last year. Little things like uh, this week, I've been uh, pricing some what I call shop commodities, the products that we use a lot of in the shop, the the brake cleaner, the grease, and that stuff. And most of that stuff is up 30 to 50 cents per tube or can this year, uh, where it was, uh, you know, 450 last year, it's $5 a can this year. People so haven't that, even begun. People haven't even begun to understand the impact that inflation is going to have on every aspect of life. And when you get down to the uh, point where um, your food supply is being impacted like no other part of life, I remember the inflation of the seventies. There's been yeah. a generation who doesn't understand inflation. It doesn't go away. It's going to be with us for a while. Yeah, that's that's going to be a challenge dealing with that on top of the minimum wages, minimum wage increases that have already had. And now the governor's proposal, I want to circle back to, to that. So you, you dealt fairly well with the 60 hour threshold. The expectation was, is that you'd have a few years to see how that worked or how that impacted the farms before there was any change to that. However, all of a sudden, now the uh, uh, the farm worker wage commissioner, whatever it was called, was put in place, and they've proposed a change. Am I correct, or uh, do I have that wrong, John? Well, no. So the legislation called for the initial legislation called for the wage board to hold hearings within a twelve to eighteen month period from the signing of the bill to reevaluate what things look like. Okay. Um, they met that constitutional re- they met that constitutional requirement of the law. Um, they did those hearings, and I think rightfully so because of everything going on with the pandemic, um, they decided to hold at sixty hours. Um, but they decided to come back again and re- revisit it again this year, which is the Department of Labor and Wage Board's purview to do on an annual basis. Um, we held hearings again. Um, again, 70% of the testimony given during these hearings um, by farmers and farm workers um, did favor in keeping the threshold at 60 at 60 hours. Um, we heard a lot of testimony from our farms basically said, look, you know, if, if we look to do this in New York, we could see a major shift away from our labor intensive crops in the fruit and vegetable industry. What, what does that mean moving forward? Um, take a look at what California is already undergoing in some of the shift away from the crops that they grow there. Um, but in the end, um, the wage board voted two to one to forward recommendations to the Department of Labor Commissioner um, to move the threshold from 60 to 40 over a 10-year period, um, and it won't kick in uh, until 2024. So there isn't still another about year and a half, 18 months, where we'll stay at 60, and then from there drop to 56. Um, but again, 
this all still needs the governor to sign off and accept the report. They have 45 days to submit their report to the governor. There's another 14-day comment period where people will be able to make comment on the official recommendation that they put forward. So we're looking at about an April 1st to a little bit after April 1st decision point. Um, and in that time, we're still encouraging all of our Farm Bureau members, uh, consumers, uh, people in New York to contact the governor's office and ask that it stay at 60. We're trying to encourage the governor to reject the recommendation of the wage board. Devin, what are you hearing as, as Farm Bureau president here in Jefferson County? What are you hearing from the farms? Are they going to take action and contact the governor and, and anybody else that's recommended to contact? Oh, I think a lot of our farms have, have been doing that all along throughout this process. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's something in agriculture that we should be proud of the job that we did of trying to uh, lobby for our livelihoods and opinions and the number of people that we got to step up and speak out about this issue at the wage board hearings, you know, they, they'd only scheduled three hearings. They ended up having to have a fourth and in all of the hearings were very long. There was just a lot of people with a lot, you know, that, that had input on it. And I think that's going to continue to happen. I think our farms and, and farm workers will continue to reach out, but it's important for anybody listening to the show to know that anyone can contact the governor's office and ask, you know, and submit a letter or a statement saying that they've, support leaving it at 60 hours rather than changing it. Anybody can do that. Anybody that lives in New York State that can do that. And, and who, that would help the agriculture industry. And who should they contact? The so I would just let them know. Yeah, I would just let them know. I would say, Jay, anybody who's listening to your podcast that wants to reach out and uh, try to affect some, some change on this issue, they can call Governor Kathy Hochul's office at 518-474- Three nine zero. That's five one eight four seven four eight three nine zero. And the message is clear: stay at sixty. Um, if they'd like to send a letter, they can go to the New York Farm Bureau website at www.nyfb.org and click on our e-lobby function, and they'll be able to send a letter generated to the governor on this issue. So I I have one. One more question, uh, and I'm going to pose this to Devin. We're talking with Devin Shelmadine, president of Jefferson County Farm Bureau, and John Wagner, director of county relations and development for New York Farm Bureau. And we're talking about the proposed change uh, for agricultural farm workers from 60 hours down to 40 hours as the overtime threshold. This is a very important question. I hear this in the community a lot. I won't say a lot, but I've heard it from different people, different businesses in the community. Why, if if a manufacturer has to pay overtime at 40 hours, why shouldn't a farm have to pay overtime at 40 hours? What's the difference? Well, I think there's some, some pretty simple answers to that. Uh, the, the first one is that the weather dictates a lot of what we do, especially in our growing seasons. And when the weather cooperates and the crops are, are mature and right at the right stage, we have to harvest. And sometimes that window is very short, so it means long hours. You know, it may have rained all last week, and this week there's hay to cut, so you worked a lot this week, and you didn't work as much last week. The second thing that I would say from the dairy side of things is that animals need to be milk-fed and cared for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, regardless 
of weather, uh, somebody being sick, all of those things. So, so we, we have to take care of our animals and sometimes that requires extra hours to make sure that everything can get done. Devin, can you raise the price of your milk that you make to cover those costs? those additional costs? That, that would be the third thing that I would have gone to or what, another thing that I would have mentioned about all of this is no, we can't. We are price takers, not price makers. Uh, milk is sold on the uh, Chicago Board of Trade um, and set that way and we, we don't get to change our prices based on that. Um, and, and we're competing not only nationally but worldwide in a dairy market. So these changes, you know, it's putting New York at a disadvantage because Pennsylvania, right next door, New Jersey, when you get down by New York City, they don't have the same laws right now. So they can make product cheaper and ship it into New York City than we can in New York State because they don't have to pay the same for the labor that we do. Not, and, and milk isn't a fair up that making product cheaper because milk price is set. But for other products, they do get to change their prices some, and, and that, you know, that contributes to their cost. Well, I was just going to ask Al, Al, if, you know, during your years of working for radio stations, if costs what up, went up, how'd the station handle that? Well, like any other business or most businesses in the world, uh, you have to, uh, the market pressures dictate how your business operates. And uh, if all of a sudden your profit is disappearing, well employees are going to disappear. You can't do that farming. Right. And you sell, you're trying to sell more advertising of course, as, as yeah. well. Yeah. And with, with agriculture, raise the price of said advertising. Right. You know, right. There's, there's ways that private businesses can handle sure. that in agriculture, especially commodity crop production, such as making milk on a dairy farm. You don't have that choice. You don't have that choice of raising the price of your product. And that's that's the problem with this, this state-mandated uh, expense is how do the dairy farms absorb that? That's what doesn't make sense. And not just dairy farms. We're talking about fruit and vegetables as well. But it's it's just... Anything you eat, yeah. It, it's, it's very frustrating to see this happen and uh, Devin, you said, I, I think it was you that said that uh, 70% of the people that testified in front of this commission testified against lowering the overtime threshold. Is that correct? That is correct. John said it first, but I think I repeated it. But yes, that is correct. That's, at least that's the information that I've been given is that over 70% of the testimony that the wage board heard was in favor of keeping the current 60 hour limit. And with, with that 70%, was it just farm owners or was it farm workers? That, that 70% was of all testimony. The wage board, the hearings that I listened to, there were many farm workers that spoke in favor of keeping it at 60. Uh, there were more farm workers that spoke in favor of keeping it at 60 then that spoke in favor of changing it. I think that's a pretty powerful message. No doubt. I, I'm curious, um, gentlemen, how do you find the uh, Hochul administration to work with? Is is the governor sympathetic to the plight of the farmers in uh, New York? So I would say from a standpoint, you know, take this issue out of the discussion for a second. Um, we've been very encouraged 
by Governor Hochul. Um, her budget proposal is a very good budget proposal for the agricultural industry. Uh, it increases funding in many areas um, of the agricultural industry in New York. It's very supportive in some general tax credits and some tax things that she's looking to do for the industry. Um, there's been some long-time priority issues as it relates to New York Farm Bureau involving investment tax credits and workforce retention tax credits that she's finally picking up for us and, and, and looking to put through in this year's budget. You know, again, proofs in the pudding. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens on this issue. What, let, let's see what happens on some other regulatory issues that we're looking at moving forward and watching. But so far, we've been encouraged. Um, the dialogue that she's willing to share with us, opportunities that we're able to have to have discussions with her and her leadership, things we didn't have in previous administrations. So, John answers that question much more politically correct than I do because, uh, you know, <laughs> yes, what I'm saying is, is true and, and good and, and all of that, but this issue is a big enough issue that it's pretty hard to overlook it. It, it and, supersedes and everything it, else, doesn't it? That's kind of where I'm at with it. And, you know, I... I I appreciate the willingness to have us involved in conversations, but what's the point in having a conversation if you're not going to listen anyway? Good point. Excellent. So, you know, that, that, that is probably not as, not as, uh, not following the company line as well as John did with all that there, but, uh, that's, that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> well, that's okay. Sometimes we need both opinions to, and the answer is somewhere in between. So the reason I asked to begin with was because, Hochul is from upstate relative to everyone else. He's been in Buffalo. office. Yeah, Buffalo, Buffalo. So she's probably seen a lot more of the state than the previous administration <laughs> did. Yeah. No comment there. No <laughs> comment. That'll get me in trouble. So gentlemen, is there anything? Yeah, that- I would just, I would, yeah. No, I would just, I would just piggyback and say, you know, again, like you'd mentioned, you know, Kathy Hochul, you know, she was from upstate. Um, she was a former congresswoman who represented Western New York. So she does have an understanding of these issues. And I think she's trying to play a very delicate balance with New York City interests. Um, but she does need, I think, to step up to the plate and say New York agriculture matters. Upstate economy matters to New York State. And, and, and this decision here could be something that really is detrimental to the upstate rural economy. And I, I think we need to really hammer that home with our message to her. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else, Devin? No, I think we pretty well, pretty well covered it. All right. Uh, John, thank you very much. John's the director of County Relations and Development for New York Farm Bureau, John Wagner. And Devin Shelmadine, thank you very much, sir. President of Jefferson County Farm Bureau, partner at Sheelan Dairy Farms LLC down there in Ellisburg, New York. Al Waltz, it's great to have you back at the microphone, my friend. It's been a pleasure, Jay. And I look forward to getting you back here in the studio. If you're lucky. <laughs> I'll put in I'll my be back. I'll put in my reservations. <laughs> and folks, just want to say thank you to all of you. Remember, if you are concerned about agriculture and especially concerned about this uh, decision to lower the uh overtime threshold to 40 hours feel free as farm bureau is uh, asking you to do to call governor hokel's office directly the phone number again is 518-474-8390 
That's 518-474-8390. And say to Governor Hochul, do not change the overtime threshold down to 40 hours. So that's that's very important. Keep it at 60. Keep it at 60. And folks, thank you very much for joining us on Jay Madison's Rural America. I'm your host, Jay Madison, and I hope to have you join us next time uh, for another episode of our podcast. All right. Have a great day, folks. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.